Okay, so I, I know I've talked about this multiple times on other podcasts, but I, I just, I have to wallow in the Russia sanction story. Oh, I know. It is so, it is so transparent. It is so, you know, Vladimir Putin sitting around saying, okay, um, the one thing we know is how easy it is to suck up to Donald Trump. What's the best thing that I could possibly do to suck up to Donald Trump? without any pretense whatsoever, I'm just going to make a list of all the people he doesn't like, and then I, Vladimir Putin, am going to sanction them on behalf of Russia. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. I mean, seriously? Yeah. The cop that shot Ashley Babbitt, Rachel Maddow, Brad Raffensperger, Seth Meyers, the only thing they have in common is Donald Trump doesn't like them. Letitia James. Letitia James. And so Vlad is telling the Don... You know, I have the same enemies. An enemy of the dawn is an enemy of Vlad. And everybody is like, okay, let's move on. It's Tuesday. Yeah. And, you know, it is astounding. You know, and by the way, there are still all those people at the Wall Street Journal and other outlets saying, oh, the Russia hoax, the Russia Russia. hoax. You know, (laughs) I mean, there was a relationship that continued throughout his presidency and continues to this very day that is incredibly unwholesome. And people at the Wall Street Journal in another era would have been the first to say so, to scream it. (laughs) This is the funny thing about the Russia thing. It's like they're, they're so totally invested in the Russia hoax. But the Russia thing takes place right in front of us. Right. It's like it's like a Times Square billboard. Exactly. Russia deal. It's it's Donald Trump comes out Russia if you're listening to me. Yeah. And every time they devote, you know, thousands of words, there's nothing there, there's nothing there. It's like Trump and Vladimir Putin figure we're going to troll these guys. We're going to see how far we can push them. What if we did this? Charlie, <laughs> they absolutely have put their integrity in a lockbox because You know, while they were saying nothing here, nothing here, and taking Trump, by the way, at his word when he kept saying, Russia, Russia, I have nothing to do with Russia, blah, blah, blah. And then it comes out, this is all, I know it's ancient history, but some of us just, it's like a pebble in your shoe, you can't get rid of it. You know, it comes out that actually, um, during the whole 2016 campaign, he was attempting to negotiate to get a Trump Tower in Moscow. Right. And do all of his defenders ever say, oh, but wait, you told us you had nothing going on with Russia. And now we learn that you actually were hoping to build a Trump Tower in Moscow and you were going to give Vladimir Putin the whole top floor. And uh, gee, I wonder if that might have affected your calculations. No, no, nothing. (laughs) Okay, so you want me to call my next shot here? Okay, this is like a trip to the future where Donald Trump and the Wall Street Journal are explaining there's nothing between Donald Trump and the Saudis. There's nothing there. (laughs) This Saudi thing, totally made up. This is just Trump derangement syndrome. That deal with Jared Kushner never happened. There's nothing wrong with it. There was no, I mean, it's like- And the golf thing? And the picture of the the glowing orb didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, did you notice that uh, Jack Smith, now I Mm -hmm. I don't want to get over- excited about what Jack Smith is asking for in terms of documents, because we've been down this road before with Mueller, and it turned out not to produce the results that we wanted in many respects. But Jack Smith has demanded documents from the Trump organization. Uh, This is in the news now, going back to 2017 only, okay, that involved deals with a few foreign countries, including Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, UAE, uh, and a few more. I could find it. But uh, that's interesting. But Biden crime family. Oh, of course. 
Yes. You know, over the last week, uh, we have cited your piece uh, over and over and over again about the psychological need that the right has for Hunter Biden. I mean, how desperately important mm. it is for them to be able to deflect from what is happening in real time right in front of them. They haven't brought themselves to basically saying, yeah, he's a crook. So what? We like crooks. So they have to find a way. OK, I don't want to talk about this. We need to talk about Hunter Biden. And and. Jim Jordan's now even talking about going back and playing the greatest hits and having another investigation into Hillary Clinton. I'm like, you guys need new material. <laughs> you need to update it. You need to update your playlist. Yeah. It's, uh, they can swallow anything, anything from Trump up to and including rape. Uh, you know, if he was not found guilty of that, but he yeah. was found guilty of sexual what was it, misconduct or, or you know. But if Hunter Biden got a uh, sweet deal because he was a Biden with some foreign country, then that vitiates all of the Trump crimes, right? Well, I mean, look, uh, the, the reality is, is that, that if I was anywhere in, in, in my area talking to uh, the normies and, and I brought up the sexual assault by Donald Trump, you well know the first thing that the first thing that somebody would say, the first thing. Clinton. Absolutely. And people need to understand the power of whataboutism is extraordinary. But yes. that's hanging out there. And people go, well, that's yep. completely different. Let me explain why it's completely different. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm, you know, Clinton mm -hmm. did not lead to Trump and everything. I just want to raise my hand and say, I just want you to know how it plays out. That, And this is something just to sort of keep in mind, that every time you create a precedent, it may come back 30 years later and bite you. And in, a, and in an even more ferocious form. In an even more, in an even more ferocious form. So speaking of nice guys, can we go a little bit lighter here? So what did you make of Tim Scott? I am, of course, a skeptic and have written that he's running a Potemkin campaign, but, but I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm working on epistemic modesty, so I, I could be wrong. I'm going to have a t-shirt. Charlie Sykes could be wrong. <laughs> Having been wrong... By the way, don't you think this is true? That those of us who have been in the never Trump world, we really ought to be, you know, clutching this epistemic modesty because we were wrong yes. about things in the past, right? And right about a lot of things. Right about a lot of things. Right about many, many, many things, but wrong about things. So tell me about, you, about uh, your reaction to Tim Scott. Okay, so um, I'm actually doing a piece, as I mentioned before we started. I'm, I haven't actually started writing it, which I will do this afternoon, but, I, but I, I framed it in my head as, you know, Mona in 2013, how I would react to Tim Scott, and Mona in 2023, 10 years later. So the world, of course, has gone topsy-turvy in the interim, and, and I've changed too. And so it is reflections on that. And also, I have to say that, you know, I still like many things about Tim Scott. First of all, he's thought through some things. He is clear about the challenge of education. Nobody talks about education now, except to talk about trans issues in the schools or, or wokeness. But there is still a huge, huge problem in this country that is at the root of a lot of inequality, although it's not the only cause. There's a lot of other things. But certainly, uh, when he waxes eloquent about Eva Moskowitz in New York City and the, what do they call them, success academies, I think, um, you know, my heart swells a little bit because those are kids that come from really bad 
neighborhoods. They come from broken homes. They have all of the uh, impediments that our society can put in their way. And yet they get a really solid foundational education and they do brilliantly. And so he talks about that and I just get excited. I can't help it. I, you know, part of me says, yes, this is what we should be talking about. Of course, his kind of willingness to talk about his struggles, the racial issue, but that, you know, okay, now we come to race and he's been both good and not so good on this. Okay. So on the one hand, you know, he's been very forthright talking about how as a black man, he's been stopped many times, even as a Senator, he's been stopped in his own damn neighborhood by cops. Okay. He's forthright about that sort of thing, which is not the kind of thing that most Republicans want to hear. Okay. And yet the other side of it is that he is also willing to make them comfortable by saying we have transcended all of our racial problems or most of them and that my existence proves what a great country this is where people like me can rise if we just have you know self-discipline and believe in hard work and are good Christians and so forth and that is a way of letting people off the hook <laughs> you know and he torpedoed the police reform bill that he was allegedly negotiating in good faith Yes, with his friend Cory Booker. So it was, you know. Yeah, although Cory Booker never said that explicitly. Um, Senators are often very nice to one another. Yeah, and uh, but yes, negotiations broke down is how it came out. But um, I want to hear the difference between Mona 2013 and Mona 2023. Make that contrast. What's different, the world or Mona? In 2013, I would have said and pointed out how well Republicans treat black candidates. I would have said, look at, you know, there's Herman. Okay. Herman Cain, I don't remember when he ran, but you know, he got a huge uh, boost and you've had other black conservatives that conservatives love, white conservatives love. There's the Clarence Thomas, almost cult-like following, right? And I would have said, see, I mean, it's not that these people are racist. It's that they like conservatives and this, a black conservative, all the better, you know? And now I can't say that anymore because there's just been so much evidence that, you know, yeah, they like black conservatives, but they like it in particular because there is a lot of racism out there on the Republican right and they want a beard, right? To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today 